In today's episode of Trek in Time, we're going to talk about what to do when you really like someone. Fight them in the hallway. That's right. We're talking about <laughs> Enterprise, Season 3, Episode 15, Harbinger. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Trek in Time, where, as usual, we're going to talk about Star Trek in chronological order, and we're going to talk about it in the context of the original air date. I'm Sean Farrell. I'm a writer. I write some sci-fi. I write some stuff for kids. And with me, of course, as usual, is my brother, Matt, who is the guy behind Undecided with Matt Farrell, which takes a look at tech and its impact on our lives. Matt, how are you doing today? I'm doing good. How about you? I'm doing well. I'm looking forward to talking about today's episode, which I'm going to cut right to the chase. I like this episode. I thought it was fine. I thought it was fun. It had some moments that I liked. It had some moments I wasn't so crazy about, but I was willing to forgive them. How about yourself? <laughs> you, and I, you and I sometimes feel like clones of each other because my reaction was, this episode, it's fine. Yeah. <laughs> there were some scenes I really did not like, really did not like. And then there were other moments I was like, that's perfect. So it's mm. it, was a, it was a mixed bag at the yeah. end of the day. It's fine. Yeah. So we'll get into that in a moment. And we'll also get into what the world was like at the time of the original broadcast. But before we do that, Matt, I know you always like to share some comments from our previous episodes. What do you have in store for us? Yes. So we had one from a username I'm afraid to try to pronounce. Mm. Are you talking <laughs> you, about you, Galen Guten? Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Galen Guten. <laughs> yes. It was from our last episode, which was called Stratagem, which was how the Enterprise basically was trying to fool the Zindi into revealing information. Mm-hmm. He wrote, announcer over public address speakers, welcome to the NX01 dinner theater. If this is your first time seeing Stratagem, please do not spoil the ending for others. <laughs> to which giant hogweed lives responded, it goes like this. First watch the episode, then mm. listen to Trek in Time, then read the comments. Any other sequence deserves punishment in the form of spoilers. <laughs> I just wanted to bring this up to basically yeah. say, we probably, as part of our usual shtick, should just remind people before we get into the meat of the episode, we're going to spoil the crap out of every episode. Oh, absolutely. We don't, we don't yes. do a spoiler section. Yes. This yeah. is, this. I mean, we don't do a spoiler section. We are the spoiler section. So, <laughs> yes. Guten, if we spoiled the episode for you, I do feel bad about that. I do too. I feel we bad. hope you come back and enjoy future episodes after you've watched the episode. And the thing about this channel we, of course, want as many people like far and wide. We want people to enjoy this show. We want people to, to yep. jump in the comments. We want all of that. But the nice thing about this series of ours, you don't have to weigh in or watch it weekly if you haven't yet watched the episode we're talking about. Yeah, You can save, it, on save, hold, it, you, save yeah. it for after you've watched an episode. We're hoping that these conversations that Matt and I are having will be evergreen and somebody three years from now who's interested in watching a show they've never seen before and listening to a podcast about it might find this and be able to say, Hey, these guys are talking about it in a way that makes sense even two years in the future. So yep. please listeners, we want you to be here. We want you to enjoy the conversation. We want you to jump in, but go your if own you're pace. worried about spoilers, watch the show first. Yeah. The other comment on the same episode was from Jeff Haverson. 
He wrote, this episode demonstrates what value the humans bring to the Federation. Humans bring creativity, flexibility, and a wide range of solutions to the problems. Other species are usually defeated by a single attribute. Ferengi <laughs> are defeated by their greed. Vulcans by logic and Klingons with honor. And this has been something that always pops in my head when I'm watching this show of there's a part of this which feels obviously it's humans writing a show about humans. So, of course, we're going to be the center of the universe when it comes to the Federation and we're going to mm-hmm. be the best one of everybody. But it is true. It's like they've they've kind of painted each species into a single kind of like, I don't know what you would call it, character attribute. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the, even the Andorians are portrayed in a very specific line of they're kind of hot headed, mm-hmm. you know, quick to temper. Yes. <laughs> so it's like there's uh, they're all they're all the same kind of like different things. And then we're kind of the blending of all of them. And we can bring everybody together in, in, underneath a big umbrella. And yeah. It's part of that rubs me the wrong way, but at the same time, it's kind of like the whole point of the show. That is the entire point of the show. And my, and my response to that is like, I do get completely what you're talking about, but all of this ultimately is metaphor. And, yep. and the entire point of it is aspirational to say like, yep. if you have a group of people look for the strengths that can be brought by all those different people, a mul- multiplicity of viewpoints, mm-hmm. you know, infinite diversity and infinite combinations, the strength there is real and within those strengths are also going to be weaknesses so how do you recognize your strengths your weaknesses how do you blend that with those of the people around you and how do you accept people who are vastly different from you and recognize Mm -hmm. your common ground but also recognize and honor the differences and so i think that you know in looking at you know the hot-headedness of the andorian the honor system of the klingons the logic and the greed of the ferengi and the vulcan those are both strengths and weaknesses depending on the moment and how it's yep. used. And absolutely, the humans in the series are depicted as they kind of stand at the middle of that Venn diagram and they can kind of empathize with everybody around them and say, we have moments like all of you, which makes us a blending of you. But aspirationally, as viewers, as a culture, we can take that metaphor and say, how do we apply this in our own lives? How can I, as an individual, look at the people around me, even people I don't agree with and say, where is our common ground and how do I get beyond bias that yep. I'm not questioning? So that's, that's the value in the show. So it is something I used to watch uh, star Trek with a, a guy when I was in college who always complained, how come every alien species looks like a human? Yep. And I used to say, you're watching a television show. It's a metaphor with, yeah. You're supposed to be entertained and maybe take away some lessons around like, what does it mean to be accepting? What does it mean to be challenged? What does it mean to be held back? Yep. He had a difficult time with that. So, yeah, you know, I get it. It is you know, sometimes uh, tricky to watch a show and say like, oh yeah, of course the humans are always the hero. But on to today's episode, which of course we don't really get into the current conversation until that sound in the background is removed and that's the read alert if i remember correctly <laughs> which means matt it's time for you to jump in with the wikipedia synopsis for this episode someone tells me this is not gonna be as good as last week's <laughs> we're in a streak right now where the next couple are interesting so okay okay <laughs> interesting interesting all right yes. Harbinger is the 67th episode of Star Trek Enterprise, the 50th, 15th episode from the third season, Harbinger, 
Well, I read that wrong. I'm going to start you this over. You read that wrong. <laughs> yeah, your your <laughs> pacing of grammar has been unique for this reading. <laughs> Just ignoring punctuation. And we were critiquing we're, we're critiquing Wikipedia and here you go with that. <laughs> oh god. Harbinger is the 67th episode of Star Trek Enterprise, the 15th episode from the third season. Period. Harbinger works together three plot lines in a single episode to Paul Tucker relationship, Hayes, the Mako commander and Reed tension and uncovering the nature of a mysterious alien discovered in an anomaly and its possible links to the expanse sphere builders. <laughs> Guest star Thomas. I'm going to that name. Capache mm-hmm. plays the alien guest and Noah Tishby plays Amanda Cole and the third in the to Paul Tucker love triangle. The way this is worded is really weird because it's not written like <laughs> sentences. It's like brief thoughts. Yeah. To Paul yeah. Tucker relationship. Yeah. You have <laughs> to read it almost like you have to read it almost like beat poetry. It's yes. Noah Tishby plays Amanda Cole, the third in the to Paul Tucker love triangle. Tucker love triangle. <laughs> yes. So as wow. Matt just pointed out, yeah, this is a rough one. This is season three, episode 15. It was directed by David Livingston, who has directed multiple episodes this season. The story is by Rick Berman and Brian Abraga with a teleplay by Manny Cole. And the original air date was February 11th, 2004. And as Matt just mentioned, somewhat cryptically in his reading of the synopsis, Noah Tishby played Amanda Cole, one of the Mako soldiers. Thomas Capace plays just named the alien that will get into the discovery of that character as we talk about this episode. And Stephen Culp returned again as Major Hayes, the leader of the Mako troop. What was the world like when this episode aired on February 11th? Well, I think Matt, I'll miss saying this because I actually really like this song. Hey, yeah, was in its final week at the number one spot for Outcast and at the movie theaters. Barbershop 2, Back in Business, opened, and it earned $24 million at the box office. That's, of course, the Ice Cube film franchise, which has now had, I believe, four films in the franchise. And I think there might even be another one of the works. And on television, on February 11th, 2004, what were we watching? My Wife and Kids and It's Our Relative on ABC, 60 Minutes 2, is discussing serial killers, Russell Simmons, and combat in Afghanistan that earned 10 million views on Fox. The number one show of this time slot was that 70s show. And if you'd asked me if that 70s show ever won its time slot, I would have said what? And it turns out I would have been wrong. And it was followed by American Idol, which earned 24 million viewers. The apprentice had 7 million viewers. Smallville had 5 million. And here came trundling along at the back of the pack, Little Enterprise, with 3.9 million viewers. And in the news, well, I thought it was interesting to return to the idea of cloning, given not that it's the main focus of this episode, but because the previous episode around a clone of Trip is directly referenced in this episode. The actions of that clone in the previous episode, where that clone effectively said in his brief life, as a result of his accelerated growth, I am a copy of Trip, and I have all these very strong feelings about you, T'Pol. I think I'm in love with you, but I don't know if it's me or if it's the original Trip. 
that comes to bear on this story. So I thought it would be interesting to revisit this news article from February 11th, 2004, in which the New York Times broadcast that scientists had created human embryos through cloning for the very first time. Scientists in South Korea report that they have created human embryos through cloning and extracted embryonic stem cells, the universal cells that hold great promise for medical research. Their goal, they say, is not to clone human beings, but to advance understanding of the causes and treatment of disease. But the work makes the birth of a cloned baby suddenly more feasible. For that reason, it is likely to reignite a fierce debate over the ethics of human cloning. The work was led by Dr. Wu Suk Huang and Dr. Shin Young Moon of Seoul National University and will be published tomorrow in the journal Science. The paper provides a detailed description of how to create human embryos by cloning. Experts in the field not involved with the work said they found the paper persuasive. However, there's a spoiler. So our listeners who don't like spoilers, you have been warned. In 2006, science retracted the articles from these doctors after evidence was revealed that demonstrated that their experiments had fabricated results. So in 2006, that's when that happens. But at the time of the airing of this episode, cloning was out there as a thing being promoted as something that is right around the corner. We do since then have made tremendous advancements in cloning and the kinds of research that have, that were conducted and fabricated here have in some cases actually been replicated, including more recently the cloning of several primates in which they sex successfully cloned macaw monkeys. And they named both of them with double names. I'm not sure if that was done as a joke. So it's effectively like John, John and Mark, Mark. So on to the discussion of today's episode, as Matt in struggling to read the synopsis pointed out, this episode doesn't really have an a plot. In fact, no. it has an a B and C plot, all of which you could argue interchangeably are the primary plot. And or a BBB plot. A BBB plot. Let's call it that. <laughs> so you have the plot around Trip and T'Pol's love triangle, which yes. is introduced through T'Pol experiencing jealousy when she sees that Trip is growing closer to one of the, they're effectively space Marines. They're, they're referred to as Mako. The acronym Mako is how the the soldiers aboard the enterprise are referred and one of these soldiers is receiving acupressure treatment the vulcan acupressure treatment that trip has been learning from to paul he is now applying to this woman and she is clearly interested in trip she initiates a kiss he is receptive and things seem to be moving in an interesting way for the two of them and as DePaul sees the two of them spending more time together, she's clearly ex- exhibiting jealousy. Right. The second of the three plots, and these are presented in no order. I mean, like literally that's kind of the point of what we were saying at the beginning. The second of the three plots is that they will find an alien in a region of space that is just beginning to form as a result of 
the impact of the spheres, the spheres that they've been dealing with in their pursuit of the Zindi, finding the spheres, recognizing somebody is using these things to change space. And they don't know why they don't know what it is changing it into. And their previous experience in the most recent episode was that the region of space, once it's fully begun to transform is incredibly toxic. It removes the normal rules of physics and creates an environment where the ship won't operate properly and the people cannot live. They cannot survive in it. So when they stumble upon literally a region of space, which is exhibiting this kind of new bubbly, you know, scenario, they're surprised to see that within it is a small pod and it looks like it might be some kind of lifeboat. And when they pull it aboard, they discover inside is an individual who is covered with all sorts of sensors and electrodes and is clearly being studied for something. And they're not sure what Dr. Flox identifies that this individual is dying, cannot live in their space and is reluctant to try to wake him up so that the captain can talk to him. And the third storyline is basically a power struggle between Lieutenant Reed yep. and the major in charge of the Makos. The major has done an end run on Lieutenant Reed. And I, I, of the three storylines, this is the one that I felt like was arguably the best written at the beginning mm -hmm. because it's about military hierarchy in an environment where military, the, the, the Federation does not yet exist, but Starfleet does. And Starfleet in the future, in the original series, in next generation is always depicted as a pseudo military. There yep. are moments where it becomes effectively a full military action, especially I'm thinking about the like deep space nine where mm -hmm. they have depictions of all out war as a result of conflicts between the Klingons and the dominion and the Federation. And you see the mobilization of troops and you see Starfleet as effectively, it is a military operation at that point. At this point in the star Trek mythology, that has been, you can see it's being debated. What is Starfleet's role? Does it hold more of a, of a footing in science and exploration, or is there that military aspect Reed coming from a military background leans far more heavily toward the, we should be prepared and we should be prepared as if we are a military operation and the major who has been brought on board expressly for when we find the Zindi, we are probably going to have to conduct operations that will be a full blown military operation. So the Mako are there explicitly as a military squad and the major sees weaknesses in the crew, not being prepared. We've had a number yep. of episodes where the Zindi have boarded the enterprise and in each case, the response has been both Mako and the enterprise crew. And usually in each case, the Zindi have had a fairly easy time with doing whatever they they've, want aboard the ship. Yeah. They've, they've kicked this around again and again and again. Yeah. Yep. So the major looking at that clearly sees a deficit and wants to better prepare the crew for combat for weapon use. And rather than go to Reed, he's gone directly to the captain right out of the gate. 
the episode starts not with the conversation between the major and the captain, but the captain informing Reed, oh, the major has suggested that we do a thing. Why don't you work with him to set up a training schedule so the crew can receive some military training? And this immediately rubs Reed the wrong way. So right out of the gate, the two of them are having a contentious time. And I appreciated that the conversation, the first conversation we see between the major and Reed hits all of those notes of, yep. sir, you've gone, you've, you've not followed military protocol and this is inappropriate for you to do what you've done. All of that happens in the first 10 minutes of the episode. I appreciated that that conversation wasn't held until later. I liked the fact that they had it right away. How did you feel about that? Uh, well, let me just go back. You just walked through all three plots. Yeah. Of the three plots, this was my least favorite. Mm. I thought it was the most poorly handled. I thought it was the two, I thought it was way too on the nose. You know, it was kind of cliche the way yeah. it kind of played out. However, there were moments in this plot line I did like. Yeah. And it really came down to like the fight scene of them in the hallway. I had just had flashbacks to the, the movie They Live where, you know, Roddy Piper's having the big fight scene in the alley. And it was like, okay, here's an eight minute wrestling scene in an alley. Why is, why is this here? Yeah. Who cares? It's just kind of fun. And it was that I had that attitude towards their fight scene. It's like, this would not be happening right now. This is ridiculous that they're doing yeah. this, but Hey, it's fun. So go it's ahead, almost guys. played for laughs when a crewman yes. spots them and Reed, who was bleeding at that point says yes. to him, as you were like, just yep. like, move and along. Just Nothing to see away. Here. Yeah, and the guy walks away. <laughs> And then the fight scene ends when it's like everybody to their stations and the two of them being military guys are just the fight stops and they get back to work. And so it's like, it, yeah, they handled it well and in humor, tongue in cheek. But the scene you're talking about, I thought was the best part yeah. of all of it. Yeah. And then it quickly went off the rails. Yeah, that <laughs> was me. why I said that the this storyline, I thought the writing of it was the best of the three at the beginning. Yeah, I think yep. that it does go off the rails. It becomes cartoonish. But as you said, like even though it's cliche and you know, okay, these two guys are going to fight like cats and dogs at the beginning. They're going to have some kind of big blow up and then something's going to happen where they're going to have to work together. You can see all of that coming. Yes. I thought it was well done. I think that it gives the actor who plays Reed a great opportunity to chew the scenery a little bit, to have fun with it. He clearly has fun with some of the hackles swagger. Like I, he reminds me of that dog and I say this as somebody who basically owned a dog like this. He reminds me of a dog who gets very nervous and angry about that grocery bag that's blowing down the street. Yeah. And his hackles go up and he's ready to go, but it's just a grocery bag. And then when it blows around the corner he looks around like, well, you're lucky I'm here because I took care of that. He reminds me of that a little bit. He gets his hackles up. He needs to, he needs to, to get the energy out. And the way that it comes out in this is with a lot of posturing between him and the major, they're both clearly strutting around each other, trying to look like I'm not afraid of you, but they're also clearly looking for how do we figure out what our relationship is so that this doesn't become a problem. Both of them are well, looking for a way to diffuse it. Unfortunately for both of them, it involves a detached retina and a fight through yeah. the hallways of the so, ship. So I want to point out there was, even though I found the whole thing cliched where it went, uh, there were moments I thought were 
great in this this plot line because there were great conversations between people that weren't them talking about them and this conflict that I thought were hysterical. And they were great ways to kind of like peel the onion of their characters and give us a little more insight into them. Like there was a conversation, I can't remember who was having the conversation, but I believe it was Tripp and somebody else. And they were talking about Malcolm and Lieutenant Hayes. Mm -hmm. And one of them said, Reed is the most like button down military guy. He ate the same meal, the same three meals a day for a year. Yeah. It's like he is like so buttoned down, finds a routine, sticks to it. I thought that was such a great little drop about the kind of person that he is. Yeah. And then later there was a lunch between Trip and Reed, and uh Trip was teasing him, jabbing him about this stuff. Mm-hmm. And Reed said, This is a fight to the death as he's just yeah. eating. Like he yeah. was talking about Hayes, like yeah. how he overstepped it, and it's going to be a fight to the death. I thought it was just a funny little, like, one aside that he made yeah. in those conversations. That part of that plot line I thought was the best part, but it was, it was so, like you said, predictable what was going to happen and all the kind of craziness that went around them. It was just so over the top. It just kind of like f- failed in that regard, but mm-hmm. there were still nuggets that I enjoyed out of, the, out of that plot line. I also thought it was helpful in showing that the training is received well by a good portion of the crew that yeah you get a, a chance to see uh them training other people and seeing the other people being very receptive to it like okay this is i understand why i'm here so reed's territorial response to the idea is more about protocol and a sense of he explicitly says you want my job and as a viewer, I was like, no, he doesn't. He doesn't want your job. No, he doesn't. But he doesn't want the job. Like it has to have that level in order for the for the for the tension to get to where it needs to be. The two of them have to hate each other in that way. And I agree with you. The conversations about the action in this episode in some cases are more important. It's almost like reading something that has a lot of footnotes and having all the real information buried in the footnotes as opposed to in the main text. Like, what do you think about the, uh, the dressing down the captain gave them at the end? I thought that it, was hysterical. It was, was, it was pretty funny. Yeah, it was great. And it, it ended, it, that, it ended that storyline in the best possible way. I loved the fact that it ended with them at attention and the captain gets called <laughs> yes. away and Reed is the one who says, do you think we're dismissed? Like he doesn't know, which means in that moment, my reading of that moment is because he's uncertain whether uncertain whether they're dismissed, they stay there. Yeah. If the major had been there, yeah. yeah. The major, if the major had said, "Do you think we're dismissed?" Reed would have responded with, "Yeah, I think so." Or like, but it's the fact that Reed raises that question it, that makes it the most amusing. That that yeah. part I thought was great. And of the three storylines. Two of them try to end with that kind of winking at the audience, like we're having fun. The one that doesn't end with that is the one with the found alien. The found alien, of course, becomes the threat to the ship that spurs on the major and Reed reuniting as like the enemy of my enemy is my friend. And it's this alien that at first claims that he was pulled out of prison and offered an opportunity to shorten his sentence. If he would only be a part of an experiment, he doesn't know what's going on. He has no idea why he was there. 
And as they're looking at him, Dr. Flox and the captain, Archer begins to sense like, well, this is like a canary in the coal mine. This is, and here's the harbinger element is this individual being put into this region of space, which is undergoing this change at a very early stage is looking to see whether or not this area of space has become livable for whoever is creating this area of space. Effectively, have we figured out now that the spheres are changing space and that these people are testing out whether or not it's working? He believes that that's what's happening. It will progress to him forcing the doctor to bring this being out of effectively a pain-induced coma in order to answer questions. Ethical concerns are raised. There's a, it's a very minor part of the episode, even though arguably that ethical discussion has been the entire focal point of other episodes. The doctor relents, wakes the gentleman up. They have this conversation where the guy says, I don't know anything. And then you end up with a very nice little scene where he's talking to the doctor and the doctor is showing such empathy. And he says, you and they are not from the same place. Who are you? What are you? And the doctor reveals they are humans. I am Denobulan and we're from different places, but we try to work together. And then the supposedly struggling alien incapacitates the doctor in a way that I expect that there to be a larger repercussion. He effectively puts his arm through the doctor's neck. Yes. And when yes. he does this, it phases through the doctor collapses. I expected there to be some kind of like, Oh, what he did was, and it screwed up yeah. my, uh, but there's none of that. It's just, he knocks him out. And then you begin with, the kind of walking through walls that always bothers me because if you can walk through walls, how are you not falling yes. through the floor? And if you can walk through walls, how is gravity plating working on you? Because if you're out of phase and yes, there's a lot of magic, nuts. magic, magic talk nuts. in the episode around, Oh, well they are beings from a trans dimensional place. And I don't like the reference to trans dimensional because we are transdimensional. We exist in three dimensions plus time. Like the, like it's a lot of, it's a lot of techno babble around all of this, but effectively we are being told these beings are from another phase, effectively another dimension mm -hmm. in space. They are trying to work their way into this dimension in space. And while they are here, they can manipulate things in the way that they do. This gentleman walks through the ship. He walks to the engineering section and he is going to disrupt and destroy the engine simply by putting his arm into the engine. So he is doing something internally to the, the functioning of the ship that could destroy it until the major and Reed are able to reverse polarity of the engine. Again, a classic star Trek magic wand waving of like, if we reverse the polarity, it's always the polarity. Thank goodness for polarity. Yeah. So they reverse the polarity in the ship, which incapacitates the alien, saves the day, and the episode storyline around the alien ends with the alien now fully saying to Archer, yeah, I was lying to you before. I was not a prisoner. I am part of this operation. I know exactly what I'm doing. And, and I'll tell you the plot as I and die. And I'll tell you the plot as I disappear. And what the <laughs> yes. plot is, is 
He effectively reveals that he is from a people who are manipulating the Zindi into doing their dirty work for them. Because right. we once finally have met the big, the bad. big bad, the big bad is here. Yes. Once you are destroyed, we will be able to do whatever we want in taking over this space. So here is the real threat. We've had episodes just last week. We talked about an episode in which like, if you're going to go through the levels of chicanery to trick a member of the Zindi, who's a member of the Zindi leadership, why are you not going to say, Hey, you think humans are a problem? Why do you think that? Cause we didn't know about you before you attacked us. Like that conversation didn't happen. They didn't have that conversation largely. I imagine because they were going to have this episode in which they were going to be mm-hmm. like, Oh, we're going to see who the real big bad is. I still think you could have had that conversation. I still wish it had happened in the previous episode, but here we see somebody who's saying, yeah, the Zindi are kind of like just our henchmen. They don't know it, but we are doing this for our purposes. So now we see, okay, the spheres, the maker of the spheres, all of this, like it's all starting to gel and come together. And the fact that the ship is almost done in by one individual demonstrates, okay, the enterprise is out here to do this thing. And they're not nearly as prepared for all contingencies as they had hoped they were even yep. with the Mako aboard. And then on top of all of that is just a big dollop of to Paul has been jealous and trip yeah. starts to get a sense of it. And there's a little bit of teasing. There's a little bit of, like, I think you're jealous. And it's almost from a perspective of like, I think you've got a crush on me. And then so, her response is, well, I thought you had a crush on me because of your clone, which then kind of sets him in a weird place. The best thing to come out of this storyline for me is the conclusion the of that conversation where they both talk to each other in these terms of like, I thought you liked me. Well, I thought you liked me. And that it ends with trip looking off to the side and saying, what just happened here? Like, so he kind of recognizes like, did we just both profess our love for each other? So I just, I just want to say you and I are like, you mentioned how clones is a part of this whole thing. I think you and I are clones because (laughs) in my notes, in my notes, two things you've said are in my notes where it's, it's, what was it? The, the, I've never understood why people face through walls. They don't fall through the floor. Mm. I wrote that in my notes. I've never understood why they hand wave that so much. Yeah. And you just mentioned that. And the second thing I wrote was the only thing I really liked about the Japal storyline with trip was that exact moment. That conversation was like right out of a romantic comedy. Yeah. It was charming it was delightful. It was fun to see how a Vulcan was approaching this romantic kind of relationship versus a human's approach to it. And then trips, wait, what just happened here? Like yeah. he was basically asking, did we just profess our love to each other? I loved, yeah. I loved that moment of this entire plot line, but everything else about this plot line, I did not like, I thought it was, oh, how convenient. We're just going to suddenly see that this Mako is making moves on trip and oh, how convenient it's going to make T'Pol feel jealous. It just felt a little like kind of like the um, Reed storyline felt a little too on the nose, a little too predictable, a little too, I don't know, teen drama <laughs> for, for me. But that one scene was the one redeeming part of that entire plot line for me. I thought it was a really good payoff in, in that, in that moment. Yeah, I agree. It, for me, the end of this storyline also, I really did not appreciate. No, 
Nope. To Paul is doing this incredibly coy looking over her teacup with, well, I don't really like you. And yeah. it's like, mm. yeah, it's very <laughs> Dr. Evil. And I'm just like, I'm like, yeah. what is that ending about? Like I, that I really like, don't give us the, will they, won't they pay off and then try to pull the rug out from underneath us. Do something else with her in that moment. It, she tries to claim that this is about her curiosity around human sexuality. No, no. Like I would have preferred the simple shutting of the door and saying that was an error in judgment. Like, it, like have her shut it down, not as a, well, I was really just looking for documentary evidence of how the humans love like that yeah. didn't fly. I would have, it would have been more within the realm of the show if it had been her saying, what happened happened. It was an error in judgment. Frank. It cannot happen again. And be having him, like, and having him sit there with a hurt response and have her leave and show us her by herself having a hurt response. Like, let us know yes. she's yes. as disturbed by this as he is, maybe even more so. But do something that gives us that as opposed to this felt very sitcom -y. It felt very off. She's playing brand. a game. She's, she's, playing, a, yeah. she's playing a game, yeah. and it's out of context for T'Pol and Vulcans to do yeah. that. Yeah. It makes no it sense. She would have been frank, yeah. and, and she would have ripped the Band-Aid off and said, no, we can't do this. Yeah. And the other element of this storyline that I did actually really like was it's the only time up to this point in this series where a little flash of skin and something for titillation feels appropriate to within the storyline. Yes. All the other times has been like, we just went to this alien ship. So we're in the decon chamber and we better gel ourselves up. And this time <laughs> it's literally in the midst of trip having his moment of like, wait a minute, what just happened here? Are we having the conversation? I think we're having, she yeah. just disrobes and she moves to him. And I, in that moment, you have this shot, which is her from behind. It is very, it's an extremely revealing shot but it felt like it was far more appropriate even the context than yep. any of the previous shots of like gelling up those legs. And he, what do you think about these thighs doctor? And it was just like, this worked so much better. And I sat there thinking like, yeah, this makes sense. This is okay. It didn't make me feel yep. at all. Like they were doing something like to dangle something a little unexpected wasn't in front of an audience. It wasn't, it wasn't meant for titillation. And it was actually, yeah. Given the will they, won't they brewing underneath these two characters for as long as it's been going, it felt like, yeah, this is like, if that was simply a movie about two people who start off not liking each other and then move toward this kind of relationship, it would have made perfect sense. So I actually really liked the conversation. I liked the moment where they couple and then in the payoff, which would have been the scene in the dining hall where they are talking about what did happen between us. I felt like they completely lost they the, the landing. They, 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 yeah, they absolutely did. And it felt like it was a bad stumble at the end. So it was yeah. of the three storylines you end up with. For me, it sounds very much like we're, we're on the same ground here. You have three plot lines. And if each plot line has a beginning in the middle and an end, 
they took turns being strong yes. and were not consistently strong throughout and did not all start or land in exactly the same way. So the weakest it's a mixed starting, bag for yeah, each one. The weakest starting yep. point for me was the romantic entanglement. The strongest starting point for me was the Reed major conflict. And as far as the endings are concerned, for me, the strongest ending is the alien plotline. I agree. Yeah, you land at the end with like, ho ho, you thought you knew what was coming. We're the big bad. We're doing things to space you can't understand. And we're kind of superhuman right. when we're compared to you. So best of luck. You don't have a chance. That well, it's at it's, this point in it's the season. That, it's that 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 variability between all of them. Like one had a strong middle, a strong beginning, one had a good strong middle, one had a strong ending. It kind of actually helped to balance each other out. Yeah. So it's in, like a braided in, in rope. Whole, yeah. Yes. It's stronger whole, it actually, as a result. Yeah. Yeah. It was an enjoyable episode for that where I was always being entertained, but it was yeah. a different plot line at different times that was entertaining me. So at the end I was like, that was fine. Yeah. But then when you go back and you dissect it, you're like, wow, that was really bad. And this was really bad, but that was really good. So you can kind of start to pick apart what was working and not working. But overall, it was okay. Yeah. Yeah. And I thought it moved the needle. Like certain things needed to be moved. Yep. You need to see that the enterprise crew understands their place in this part of space and the dangers that mm -hmm. are in front of them and how they have to prepare. Check that box. We wanted to see movement in the relationship between to Paul and trip check that box. And we wanted to know, okay, are the Zindi truly the entity and how do we marry the Zindi with what is happening in this region of space up to this point, it has been, well, this part of space is where the Zindi live. But other than that, how do we connect them to these spheres and what is happening here? And now finally, those two things are brought together. So yep. this is a little bit of a literally middle of the season. Well, we've got a bunch of check boxes that we needed to tick off. So let's do that here. And they did it in a yep. way I actually thought was pretty good. It made a pretty good episode. Yeah. But I don't know if all of our listeners would agree with that. So please let us know. Jump into the comments. Do you agree that this was an episode that was necessary for all the reasons I've talked about and that it did an okay job with all those three? Or did you feel like this was your favorite episode ever? Or did you feel like, yeah, they could have just moved ahead and skipped over all of this stuff? Let us know. You can jump into the comments on YouTube, or you can reach out to us through the contact information in the podcast description. And before we check out for this episode, Matt, next time we're going to be talking about doctor's orders. And normally I ask, what do you think doctor's orders is going to be about? But spoiler, we're recording two episodes back to back. So we already <laughs> know what doctor's orders is. So yeah. we won't talk about that, but before we sign off, is there anything you want to share about your upcoming episodes on your main channel? Yeah, my, th it should be out by the time this is out. I'm putting out a video about discussing that I'm building a net zero factory built house, what I'm doing, why I'm doing it, all the things I thought about that you might be able to get something from. So it should be a fun episode. I hope people like it. Um, check it out. As for me, you can check out my website, seanfarrell.com. You can also go to a bookstore or a public library, ask for my books there. They're available everywhere. And I hope you check them out. 
as I said before, I've got some stuff for kids. There's a couple of picture books out there. I've got some stuff for adults. I've got a sci-fi time travel book out there called Man in the Empty Suit. And next year, I will have a book out for middle grade readers. So we're talking about maybe your 10 or 12 year old. It's an adventure story with robots and pirates and all sorts of shenanigans. And I hope you'll check it out. It's called The Sinister Secrets of Singe. And that's going to be coming out in 2023. If you'd like to support the show, please consider reviewing. Let me start that sentence over. If you'd like to support the show, please consider reviewing us on Apple, Google, Spotify, or wherever it was you found this podcast. We'd love to hear your thoughts. And if you'd like to more directly support us, you can go to trekintime.show, click on the Become a Supporter button. It allows you to throw some coins at our head. Not only do we enjoy the welts, but doing so makes you an ensign. Is that right, Matt? Is that what? Yes. Ensign. Okay. I like the way you kind of like, uh. <laughs> <laughs> makes you an ensign. And what happens when you become an ensign? Well, you automatically start getting out of time made available to you. Out of time is our spinoff program from this one in which we talk about, sometimes we talk about Star Trek. Sometimes it's other stuff like Star Wars, sci-fi in general, fantasy. Recently, we've had conversations around some of the animated Star Trek programs. We've talked about the new Lord of the Rings show. We've talked about several movies that have caught our eye. So when you support us directly, you get access to that. We hope you enjoy that as well. And uh, for those of you who are getting a hold of that, let us know what you think thank about you. it. Send back your, yeah, uh, send us you. your comments and thank you for your support. All of that really does help support the show. Thank you so much, everybody, for listening or watching. And we'll talk to you next time.